nice cool mints to turn those frowns upside down. Do you think a nice cool mint would help if I shoved your head up your ass? Shh, it's the film flavors. Come on, shake your body, baby, do that conga. No, you can't control yourself any longer. Come on, shake your body, baby, do that conga. No, you can't control yourself any longer. Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. And we're continuing our comedy month, bringing you our most horror-adjacent episode ever. We're really putting the adjacent of the adjacent of the adjacent here. That's right. With Drop Dead Gorgeous. Yay! Or Drop Dead Gorgeous. <laughs> oh! Haughty-toughty-to! <laughs> Is that where that accent <laughs> came from? Why does my Minnesotan accent sound a little Irish? I don't understand. <laughs> So Drop Dead Gorgeous is a 1999 American satirical black comedy mockumentary film directed by Michael Patrick Jan and written by Alona Williams, in which the dynamics of a small Minnesota, Minnesota town unfold as multiple contestants in the regional American Teen Princess pageant begin to die mysteriously. The film stars Kirsten Dunst, Ellen Barkin, Allison Janney, Denise Richards, and Kirstie Alley, all of whom sport over-the-top Midwestern accents. The film was originally entitled Dairy Queens, but that had to be changed for obvious legal reasons. You don't say. No. Don't you know? Don't don't you know? (laughs) Okay, listeners. I have reached a point where I would kill someone for the nicotine under their nails. This is Drop Dead Gorgeous. Do you think that most people would say that teenage beauty pageants are a good idea? Oh, yeah, sure. I know what some of your big city no-bra-wearing, hairy-legged women libbers might say. They might say that a pageant is old-fashioned and demeaning to the girls. What sickest women dressing like men? Oh, you betcha, Iris. At the Mount Rose American Teen Princess Beauty Pageant. I'm Leslie Miller. I'm Amber Atkins. I'm Rebecca Lehman. There are only two rules. I aim to win. Winning is everything. I am the mother of the most talented contestant Mount Rose has ever had. And nice girls finish last. They wanted to see my room and film me for their movie. They ask you to take your top off. Get the money first. Ooh, we get a personal consultation Great. with a makeup artist. Excuse me, Miss Penthouse 98. Put your knees together. I could drive a boat show in there. For my talent, I'm going to be doing the... Talking is good long enough. Yeah, I'm trying to talk to them Yeah. Never judged a pageant before in my life. Mm-hmm. No way. Never been around young girls. If you could be any tree in the woods, what kind of tree would you be? Green. <laughs> a solid Christian trunk. <laughs> long, leafy branches to provide shade for handicapped kids on a hot summer day. Do you like to swim? No. Oh my God, my tech costume's gone. You're getting at something. You better just say it. Bring it on! The greatest challenge for these girls isn't winning the contest. I was contestant number one. That light was meant for my head. But surviving it... She got icy because she wins everything, and this time someone didn't want her to win. And they say smoking's bad for your health. Because the battle between the good and the bad. I sat down to have a beer in Kablooey. Is about to get ugly. I'm going to quit the pageant. What? But the show must go on. Kirstie Alley, Ellen Barkin, Kirsten Dunst, Denise Richards. Every contestant you'll meet here tonight, they are all proud to be an American. Drop Dead Gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Really nervous. It's been about two months. I haven't told my boyfriend yet. How did you know? 
I meant nervous about the pageant. Oh, nervous about the pageant. Yeah. The town of Mount Rose, Minnesota, is preparing for the annual Sarah Rose Cosmetics Mount Rose American Teen Princess Beauty Pageant. Amber Atkins, played by Kirsten Dunst, an ambitious, optimistic teen, signs up to follow in the footsteps of her idol, Diane Sawyer, and her mother, Annette, played by Ellen Barkin, who was also a former contestant. Amber works after school in the mortuary as a makeup artist for the dearly departed. They live in a small trailer near their most smartest friend, Loretta, played by Allison Janney, who often comes by to get her hair did and drink a few beers. Fellow contestant Rebecca, Becky Lehman, played by Denise Richards, is the daughter of the richest man in town and the vice president of the gun club at school. Her mother, Gladys Lehman, played by Kirstie Alley, is the head of the Piaget organizing committee and also a former Piaget winner. As the wealthiest family in town, many townspeople seem resigned to the possibility that the contest will be rigged somehow. The Lehmans always seem to get their way there. In the days leading up to the pageant, many odd events occur around town, including contestant Tammy Curry, the president of the gun club, is killed when her tractor explodes. Local police say that she must have been smoking and driving, even though Amber knows Tammy only liked to smoke after a good drive. Also, a boy Becky liked but was actually interested in Amber was shot in the head right between the eyes. It was ruled a hunting accident. Amber decides to drop out of the pageant after finding a photo in her lacquer of Tammy on the tractor with the words, You're next, scrawled on it. Later, Amber's home explodes while she's away, sending her mother flying like a land dart into her neighbor's bushes. At the hospital, her mother's been gravely injured. Her hand was horribly burned and actually fused to the beer can she'd been drinking from at the time of the explosion. But after speaking with her mother in the hospital, Amber reconsiders dropping out of the pageant deciding to make her mother and Diane Sawyer proud. At the dress rehearsal, fellow contestant Janelle swaps numbers with Amber. Midway through Janelle's rehearsal performance, a stage light knocks her unconscious and renders her deaf. Luckily, Janelle knows American Sign Language, and it was her dream to spread sign all over the world. So she claims that despite dropping out of the pageant, she has never been happier. At the pageant, Amber's dance costume mysteriously disappears. She blames Becky, and they have a little cat fight. Gadget choreographer Cloris gives Amber a new costume. However, Gladys says she can't perform as the new costume was not officially approved weeks before. When Lisa, played by Brittany Murphy, finds Amber crying, she gives her previously approved costume to Amber and drops out of the pageant. Now on stage, Becky sings and dances to Can't Take My Eyes Off of You with a puppet of Jesus on the cross, both amusing and horrifying the audience. Later, and despite the wardrobe kerfuffle, Amber gets a standing ovation for her tap dance number. The winners are announced. Cheerleader Leslie Miller, played by Amy Adams, is second runner-up. Amber is first runner-up, and Becky wins the pageant. During Becky's victory parade the next day, she is killed in a freak accident when her elaborate swan float bursts into flames and explodes. A grief-stricken Gladys flies into a blind rage, showing contempt for the rest of the town and admitting to being responsible for at least one of the killings and is immediately arrested. Amber becomes the new pageant winner. 
At the state competition, Amber wins the Minnesota title by default after the other contestants get food poisoning from eating improperly refrigerated shellfish. Afterwards, she gets an all-expenses-paid trip to the National Pageant. Upon arrival, Amber and the other state winners are devastated to find that the cosmetics company was shut down for tax evasion and the building is closed. This sends all the contestants except for Amber on a rampage, vandalizing the property. A few years later, Gladys escapes from prison and is sniping from the top of the Mount Rose supermarket, declaring her intent to take revenge on Amber. During the six-hour police standoff, a television reporter at the scene is hit by a stray bullet. Amber quickly picks up the microphone and takes over reporting the story, impressing the news station with her poise and confidence. Amber becomes co-anchor of the evening news for Minneapolis-St. Paul, WAZB-TV, thus fulfilling her dream of possibly becoming the next Diane Sawyer. Thank God. <laughs> it actually hurts my jaw doing that for that long. I knew. I was so impressed. But I knew like halfway through it, I was just like, that's got to hurt a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I should have stretched first. Perfect. Perfect, though. We are all very sorry about that synopsis, people in the Midwest. <laughs> We're all very sorry about that synopsis, Tammy. <laughs> Drop Dead Gorgeous was released on July 23rd, 1999 on around 1,200 screens. It grossed almost $4 million at the box office opening weekend, securing the 11th spot. Other films in the top 10 that weekend include The Haunting, American Pie, Eyes Wide Shut, and Lake Placid. What a great week at the fucking movies. Right? The film would continue to fall at the box office, and by its fourth week in release, it would be about 45. Oof. Ultimately, the film would gross about ten and a half million against a reported budget of ten to fifteen million. Uh, most things that I saw lean toward the fifteen million. Yeah, so, yeah. Mm. Gorgeous has a forty-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes with an audience score of seventy-five percent. That's a huge window. Yeah, there. it's a large leap. Yeah, the site's consensus reads: its dark humor sometimes hits, but mostly misses the target. Metacritic gave the film 28%, indicating generally unfavorable reviews, and audiences pulled by CinemaScore gave the film a grade of C-. Dennis Harvey of Variety called the film a fitfully amusing satire that would have gained a lot of mileage from just a tad more subtlety. He says that the writing is not sophisticated enough to pull off some of the jokes without being condescending. I disagree. Roger Ebert liked the idea of the film, but wrote the script did not translate into a screenplay. It is never quite funny enough due to miscalculations of production and performance. Entertainment Weekly gave the film a grade of D and compared the film unfavorably to 1975 pageant film Smile and the positively true adventures of the alleged Texas cheerleader murdering mom. What the fuck is that? It's a Holly Hunter film for HBO. Holly Hunter? Mm -hmm. I love Holly Hunter. About that woman who actually like killed her daughter's cheerleading rivals. Interesting. It's a good movie. Okay. It did get some accolades and legacy. Um, you know, at the prestigious Stinker Awards, it was nominated for Worst Supporting Actress uh, by Kirstie Alley, which I disagree with. I thought she, this was one of her best roles. I thought she was really good in this oh. movie, like most of them. Yeah. 
Much like last week's deep dive, Death Becomes Her, Drop Dead Gorgeous has gained a massive cult following. Allison Janney has said that she is approached more by fans of this film than for her time on the West Wing. When the movie was finally released for streaming in 2019, it was met with tons of celebratory tweets, mostly from women and queer people who had long sung its camp praises. The 20th anniversary also brought a slew of retrospective praise. The New Yorker's Gia Tolentino credited the movie's transformation from a flop to a venerated artifact of Y2K camp, to its discovery by teenage girls who identified with its truthfulness and particular brand of dark humor. She summed up the movie as offensive for sure, completely awful really, and possibly deadly. It's also irreplaceable, hilarious, surprisingly tender, and lavishly, magnificently absurd. You're here. The Guardian praised the film's vicious indecency, describing it as trashy, wonderful, endlessly quotable, and 20 years ahead of its time. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. I'm not sure how true that is, but I think we were talking uh, off mic about this, and it seemed like it was like done kind of in the Jean Benet Ramsey era and mm-hmm. should have been done post Honey Boo Boo era. Exactly. You know? Right. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. There's there's many many pageant movies that have been made, right? But I feel like I feel like this is one of the best ones, and I I think it was kind of unfairly shat on. I think it takes a it takes some time and a, a certain kind of place to watch this movie, and at home really is the best place to do that, not a theater. Yeah. So it was never going to make a shit ton of money. No. Well, let's talk about this cast. Oh my god, please! It is an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> Starting with Kirsten Dunst, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Recent, Amber Atkins. Amber Atkins, recent <laughs> Academy Award nominee, finally. Yeah. So um, she really does, like, carry this movie, right? It's sort of everything focuses around her for the most part. Yeah, but she's not, like, the life. I feel like as soon as Alice and Janney gets on screen, it just lights everything up. And I think that's true of almost any time that Alice and Janney is on screen. You know Honestly, I mean? it just builds and builds and builds. Because then you get Ellen Barkin suddenly, and then Alice and Janney joins. And you've already met Denise Richards, who's all, always – I mean, we, we covered her in um, Wild, Wild, Wild Things, things mm-hmm. which she was excellent in, really. I mean, come on. And then uh, Kirstie Alley, who just does an excellent, you know, overbearing Midwestern mother obsessed with peaking in high school. <laughs> My God. And I mean, like, she really does have some of the best fucking lines in this movie. I yeah. mean, the moms really do. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, like Ellen Barkin is fucking hilarious in this. I, I feel like her performance is funny from like a a verbal standpoint and also she gets the the physical comedy down right she's okay to like lose herself in this like sort of trashy role and the minute she has a beer can grafted to her hand right is just like it's perfect from there oh my god and then we have mindy sterling frau farbisna herself <laughs> as iris clark who's not really mentioned in the synopsis but she's kind of the right hand man uh so to speak for kirstie alley's gladys lehman yeah she was really really funny um, I mean, and because she, she's kind of like a foil to Kirstie Alley a little bit, right? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, yeah, she's she's enjoyable on there. Mm-hmm. And we get Brittany Murphy, rest in peace. She's so good in this. She's good in everything. She really is. I mean, I, there were there were times in this movie where I felt like her character was a little too similar to Ty from Clueless, or maybe she just delivered lines in a similar way, but I don't care. You know, I I love Brittany Murphy and I think that she's just great. Yeah. Adorable. Uh, And Amy Adams, Oscar winning or Oscar nominated Mm -hmm. Amy Adams in her first role ever on screen. As a complete whore. (laughs) Leslie Miller. 
I mean, we talked about Amy Adams a little bit when we talked about uh, Psycho Beach Party. And it's so hard for me to believe that Psycho Beach Party came out after this. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's It's right around the same time. But yeah, yeah, it is. But yeah, I mean, Amy Adams, she's come a long way. So as always, I don't really want to re-synopsize this movie as we have already done. Hopefully you have found this film and watched it. Uh, it's available on DVD and Blu-ray, which is very, very difficult, was just a few years ago, and it might be off the shelves soon. I don't know when they're going to do a reprint. Uh, and I think it's on like Vudu. It's not streaming. So that I went to Vudu to try to find it to stream it, and it's a different movie called Drop Dead Gorgeous. God damn it! So this movie is almost impossible to find unless you order a DVD or a Blu-ray, or you've already seen it somehow, or you've yeah. already seen it. And I I assume that a lot of people have, right? I mean, like like we talked about last week, this movie is also sort of been embraced by queer culture. I oh, think, yeah. like if I if I randomly talk to other gay guys about this movie or bring it up they can at least quote a couple lines from it they've seen it and they they laugh and remember fondly you know what i mean so i think a lot of people have seen this movie but i wish more had i've met a few people that is their favorite movie really yeah i met one gay that said that (laughs) i mean my dad likes this movie a lot and he's not gay but i mean he can say lines from this movie if it's if it's on cable or something he will sit down and watch it it didn't stay on hulu very long I know that. So I don't I don't know if things are tied up in rights or whatnot. Yeah, and I don't know why the the initial reaction to it was so negative. It was like a snark that was before its time, really. People weren't ready for that level of snark, but it's not really making much well, it's making some, but not many like huge moral judgments. And it's no. you know, it's not mean spirited like like say don't look up is. True. You know, a lot of people complain about that and this just isn't, you know, I feel like it's trying to take that like kind of like 90s best in show type of mockumentaries and kind of bring it a little bit more to mainstream Mm -hmm. to say something, you know, but um, I just don't think the, the world was ready for that in the mainstream yet. And I, I mean, I kind of really like this style of filmmaking, the whole mockumentary thing. I mean, cause like best in show waiting for Guffman, you know, like all those movies I think are really, really good. And, and I, I like this one a lot too. Maybe that just as a comedic standpoint, it just works for me. You know what yeah. I mean? So, I mean, it's, it was good. Yeah. It's like, it wasn't prestigious enough for that crowd, but it wasn't mainstream enough for the mainstream crowd. You know, we've all kind of shifted, you know, certainly I think if don't look up was made around back then, it would have been even worse reception. It's true. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I mean, and also like, I don't remember, I didn't see this movie in the theater, obviously, mm. but um, I don't remember a huge marketing push for it. I don't think I really found it until after it was on DVD and I worked in a video store. So I, I think I saw it in the theater. Really? That's very impressive. Because I remember seeing a, th- a thing. It was like, this was like tailor made for me, like this dark humor in this. I'm mm-hmm. like, I have not seen anything quite like that, or at least they're, they're kind of thin on the ground back then. And so I made a point to go see it. I feel like I didn't even see it at first when it came on DVD. I think someone had to have seen it and told me to go watch it. Like I would like it. You know what I mean? And I did. So, yeah. So, uh, there's a lot of moments in this. Uh, I love the introduction to, to everyone in this mockumentary. We get to meet the Atkins and the Lehman's and Mount rules, <laughs> you know, <laughs> God, I wish I could do that accent better. <laughs> Mount rules. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, there's a huge difference between these two families, obviously, right? Yeah, so one's in have, kind of a mansion, and the other one's kind of in the trailer. And right. There, we get that conflict uh, almost immediately between the Atkins and the Lehmans with, you know, kind of the whole town kind of in the middle of it. That's true. I mean, I feel like this town is completely wrapped up in this pageant. 
right? And like it's it's the one thing every year they all rally behind. I think like even one of the contestants says something like, "Why did you sign up for the pageant? Like, what's what you do? You know, it's like it's like yeah, boys join football or whatever, and, and you do this. Yeah, if you're not like chewing Copenhagen and are complete fry, you sign up for the pageant. Yeah, don't." So, why didn't you sign up for the pageant? I don't know. I think I'm due tomorrow or something. Because <laughs> <laughs> she was drinking in the fucking bathroom. <laughs> oh, my God. They did a good job of of making very individualistic kind of contestants. Everyone in this movie is an individual. It's true. I mean, every single character is memorable and for, for good reason, right? Yeah, pretty they- much every fucking speaking part from, like, the smallest speaking part, like the Ludafisk lady <laughs> – to the dance choreographer, mm-hmm. <laughs> to uh, you know the judges. Although one of the judges uh, does not have a single spoken line, is the, the woman. The woman who <laughs> always looks like she's like she's like his assistant from the front. Worried store. about everything. Yeah, she's, she's just, yeah. I'm like, I think she's my spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> she looks both worried and appalled, like constantly, <laughs> constantly, right? Yeah. Oh my god. And so she should be. Yes, I mean, for sure. The judges themselves, though, I mean, like, I hadn't seen this movie in about 10 years, right? And obviously, like, times have changed. Yeah. And, I mean, so one of the judges has that, you know, special needs brother. Oh, there's all kinds of inappropriate humor in this movie. Yeah. That is just not, it's, like, very problematic in a way. But not, and yet, not because it's not mean-spirited, you know? No. I mean, like it's the characters. The movie doesn't make a judgment on it. No, very smartly, it's the characters in the movie that are doing the judging. You know, mm-hmm. you know, like quote unquote, um, the tard has his pants completely off. You know, yeah. <laughs> I was just surprised at how much they said that word in the movie. Close up shop. Close up shop. <laughs> <laughs> Brittany Murphy's fucking laughing about it during the interview. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's funny. To me, the funniest judge was the fucking pederast anyway, but... Yeah, and that's problematic as also well. Also problematic. But a, a valid thing to talk about as far as pageants. And even he brought it up. He was like, and that's the real reason why you're asking this question, right? He was like, I've never been around young girls, because why would I? <laughs> Constantly fucking smoking, looking lascivious and shit. <laughs> Lasciviousness. Like when he has that camera in his hand, he was just like, it's the camera I keep in my car for like accidents and whatnot. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So we've got the Atkins and the Lehmans and the conflicts is set up, you know, rich and poor, the haves and have nots, power and, you know, no power. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got our, uh, the rest of the contestants uh, who is like, there's an obvious like lesbian kind of. Tammy. Yeah. And then we've got uh, the girl that becomes deaf, uh, whose dream it is to share sign with the rest of the world. We've got the artsy fartsy one that does Soylent Green on stage uh-huh. later on. Uh, we've got the people that are serious about it. We've got the nerds. We've got every single one of these people. And this is a, a large speaking cast. And every single one of them are very unique. Yeah. And it's gold. I mean, like even Amy Adams and like the small times that she's in this movie, I think is really funny and really good. Oh, yeah. I like that girl who's obsessed with German shepherds. You know yep. what I mean? I mean, like I really enjoyed the cast of contestants. I thought it was was excellent. It made it fun to watch because you get to know them a little bit. It doesn't take long to get to know them either. Like you're you're introduced to them in sort of interview style and you're along for the ride like immediately. But I think it's not even like five to ten minutes in this film when people start to die. That's right. It happens really quickly. Yeah. Starting with the 
the more sporty, the sporty spice contestant, mm-hmm. you know, who dies on the tractor <laughs> because she likes the vibrations. <laughs> I know for a fact that she likes to write after a good run, or she likes to smoke after a good ride. <laughs> the vibrations help her think. <laughs> it was so funny. I mean, like, so when that tractor explodes, right after it's completely off camera, I was like, there's some budgetary saving right there. Like, I kind of wish that they would have like some sort of like burning corpse, like fall from the sky or something like that. Yeah. I think there are ways to make some of these deaths a a little funnier and a little more horrific. Well, it's interesting because that you say that. And I think it's going to be a wider conversation when we talk about, is this a horror movie? Yeah. You know, cause they could have gone in either direction. It really could. Yeah. You know, it's kind of skirting a line on both sides here. Yeah. I mean, I think like movies like Heather's did it well, you know, yeah. but I mean, it's, it's a tone, it's a tonal choice. Yeah, essentially. of course. And I think they were somewhat limited by the mockumentary thing, you it's know, true. they were a slave to their format. Yeah, I, I guess, but I, I, I don't know. It's uh, either way. And Romero did it and stuff. You it's know? True. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's still funny when it's like a, a girl in a pageant is riding a tractor and then explodes off screen. I mean, it's just hilarious. Yeah. And then uh, the boy that's interested in her gets shot between the eyes, mm-hmm. you know, and it's really alluding that Becky was also doing her, you know, it's not just Gladys Lehman. It no. was also Becky Lehman that was doing stuff. Or, yeah, I th- I feel like, you know, at least by the time that boy dies, like she is either egging her mom on or played an active part in some of these things. Yeah. Right. We always look at Wikipedia uh, as a reference. Uh, for our uh, synopsis, or at least usually we do. Yeah. And this one actually said that Gladys was, said she was responsible for all the, the murders. And I was like, no, that's not right. No, it's not. She admitted to the tractor, uh, I believe. And that's basically it. Yeah. And maybe the light, <clears throat> you know, she, she could have done some of that. I think all she said was the tractor and I should have killed you when I had the chance. But sh- yeah, but shit kept happening. Like some of it's Becky, some of it's uh, her mother, Gladys, and some of it's just fucking bad luck right and we don't know who did what except for the one thing we only know for sure that gladys did the tractor explosion because after they're both dead or in prison we get shit like the food poisoning later on in the movie with all of that and we get you know the swan uh explosion which gladys did not do and becky did not do you know who knows that fucking swan (laughs) smells like gasoline (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like this is gonna reek mother yeah i think there's a line in the movie where annette says to amber you know because amber's like i don't want to win this way right and she's mm-hmm. like well good things happen to good people or whatever and so i think like most of the stuff toward the end of it is just like just happenstance because amber's a better person than becky well she immediately follows that with one of the funnier lines of the movie you know, which is uh, oh, actually that's that's complete bullshit. She's like, really? She's like, no, that's complete bullshit. bullshit. <laughs> Just take what you can get and run yeah. with it. <laughs> uh, we have a lot of former con- we have a lot of current contestants in this, but we get to meet a, a former contestant. In fact, it was the previous year's winner who is suffering from an eating disorder, and she's been hospitalized. Oh my god, that whole sequence was painful. Yeah, fucking hair falling out and shit. Like, yeah, no. I mean, again, problematic, right? But 
but truthful. I mean, I think that these are things that people go through in a pageant world, right? So, I have a list of, of quotes here, and uh, that's one of them, is that her name is Mary Johansson. Really? I didn't even get that. Yeah. Well, they, they probably say it, but... Mary, maybe. I don't, I'm not sure. But um, she says, with one week to go before the pageant, I was finishing my outfit, rehearsing my talent, brushing up on current events, and running 18 miles a day on about 400 calories. I was ready. (laughs) (laughs) I love that fucking quote. (laughs) Yeah. Brushing up on current events. Yeah. Oh my God. God. Uh, There's so many fucking good quotes. I think near the beginning when we're, we're kind of uh, meeting the Atkins, uh, Amber says, my mom never hid the fact that my dad chose his career over us. What was it? She always said. And then Loretta says, once a carny, always a carny. (laughs) And then Amber says, mom still cries every time she sees a Tilta whirl or a fat lady in a tube top. (laughs) Yeah, I forgot when that was in the movie, but that's one of the ones that always make me laugh, too. Once a carny, always a carny. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And it was uh, with uh, Tammy's death. The cop was like, yeah, it must have been smoking and driving. And then Amber says, well, yeah, Tammy liked to drive her dad's thresher. But I mean, I mean, she said the heavy vibration helped her think. (laughs) But I know for a fact that Tammy only smoked after a good drive. You ask me or anyone who isn't scared to talk about it, Tammy was murdered. Oh, God, I bet Diane Sawyer never had to deal with crap like this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that hospital scene is actually pretty quick, but it's just a a notable notable. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it's it's the first time we get to meet that contestant and we see her later on in the pageant anyway. So. Yeah. But then we get, uh, you know, the, the big thing that happens, of course, is the explosion, mm-hmm. you know, at the house. And of course, that's probably um, Gladys Lehman, I would assume. Right. They, they said it was faulty wiring. Right. Or whatever. No, that had to have been Gladys Lehman setting that shit up because she thought that Amber would Amber would be in there. Yeah. And uh, the whole line, she flew across there like a land art, you know? <laughs> and then uh, I think, uh, yeah, because she come from work. She was working at the mortuary, mm-hmm. right? And she's like, uh, she's getting put into the ambulance. She's like, mom, I'll be right behind you in the hearse. And then Laura says, don't let that worry you, Annette. <laughs> Fucking Alice and Janney had the best lines in this movie. I also like when Ellen Barkin was like, I put your tap shoes in my panties before the explosion. Go find the person who cut them down <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, they had to be cut off of her because the part <laughs> she cut them off. refused yeah. to her. <laughs> <laughs> that woman flew through the air like a goddamn land art. <laughs> Clutching onto your tap, tap shoes. <laughs> Fuck. I just love it. I love it when they're in hospital and you get to see like the, the beer can like grafted onto her hand. Right. Cause it's pretty fucking gnarly makeup. It is. And I mean, it looks gross, but so fucking funny the whole time. And she's like, see if there's anything left in that can or whatever. <laughs> she tries. And the fucking candy striper. Oh my God. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we put her that frown upside down. Next person who comes in here without a cigarette's gonna die. She's die. Like, well, a nice cool mint. <laughs> She's like, would you like a nice cool mint up your ass or whatever? <laughs> Just like, would a nice cool mint help if I shoved your head up your ass? <laughs> nice cool mint. <laughs> Have you ever been to Minnesota? No. <laughs> I haven't either. My cousin's husband's from Minnesota. I really want to go and just see if it's like this. So the pageant is really fun, right? I mean, even before the pageant, we have that dress rehearsal scene where the, the light falls and hits that girl and makes her deaf. Yeah, which is her dream come true, apparently. Right. I mean, we could, I think we could also... But it was meant for Amber. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that, that was, you know, poised to happen. 
And uh, yeah, so she became deaf and was living her best life. And then during the actual pageant, uh, you know, like we said, Amber's costume is missing and Brittany Murphy gets her chance to shine like really in this. So, yeah, she gets that that chance. So there's the whole like subplot with her, her character with her gay brother in New York, which I don't know how to where to put my emotions on that, but whatever i mean it's fine she idolizes her gay brother that could be part of the reason why she's in a pageant or whatever but it's the first time i watched this where i caught this thing she's like my parents won't care they only had me because they wanted to give him that kidney oh they won't care the only reason they had me was because they needed that kidney <laughs> oh my god Ugh. <clears throat> Yeah, I love it when she's talking to the camera and she's like, here's my brother Peter as Madonna. Here he is as Barbara. <laughs> yeah. But she does out him at the end to the to the parents to to make them less proud of him, I guess. Is the you know. Yeah. But he's not perfect is what she was trying to say. And I know that's what I don't know how to feel about, you know what I mean? Watching this movie again. Again, yeah, I, I don't <clears throat> I don't know. It's just a small part in the movie that it doesn't really affect me either way. Like she she gets pretty angry about it at that moment, and I don't know that that's like. But there's a lot of weird things I don't know where to put my emotions on. Like there's a whole Asian thing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there's the the making fun of people with um you know a mental disability. Uh, there's just a lot. There's a lot of stuff, but it's the characters that are saying these things and doing these things rather than any kind of storytelling or moral judgment that the the movie itself is doing. And this, I mean, it's not the first time we've seen an offensive comedy. You know what I mean? Like this is nothing new. Yeah, so. and it's it's kind of you know it's kind of a, a light touch, really. Yeah. And also, I mean, like, I think as time progresses, people become a little bit more, you know, sensitive to everyone's plight or whatever. And this is 1999, yeah. you know? So, I mean, like, it's just a, a different time. That's not an excuse, obviously, but... I <laughs> it's mean, 1999. It's, it's 1999. <laughs> they were partying like it's 1999. Uh, but the pageant itself is just where I probably die every single time I watch this movie. Um, not only... It's just two different numbers like, just make me die. Which is, they, they cart out the anorexic previous winner... From the from the previous year, who was like on oxygen and shit, and she's being carted out by her nurse on the stage, <laughs> and she sings "Don't Cry Out Loud." <laughs> Don't cry out loud. <laughs> Just keep it inside. <laughs> I remember the first time I watched this movie, and that part happened. I. Just laughed so fucking hard. I probably almost fucking peed myself and shit. It is by far like one of there's two moments in this movie that just make me crack up every fucking time. And that's one of them. Is the other one the Denise Richards number? No. Okay. Because I laugh my ass off during that too. When she brings puppet Jesus on the cross on those (laughs) stages, says, can't take my eyes off of you. It's just so cringy. I mean, it is really funny and very, very cringy, but it's, it doesn't hold a candle to that. The anorexic girl, like slowly spreading her arms and lip syncing (laughs) Melissa Manchester. So what's the other one that cracks you up the most? Uh, after Amber has become the the winner and she gets to go to the state and she's reading her letter and she gets super excited because they're going to the airport, Howard Johnson, <laughs> and then Annette's like, "We're going to the airport." <laughs> Uh, and then after that, they just keep calling it the airport hojo. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I just love it when they read that fucking letter. Yeah, they're so impressed with all that stuff. The airport hojo. Yeah. But after the pageant, obviously, Becky won because, you know, they made her win. Yeah. Uh, rather than what the audience is rooting for, which is Amber, <clears throat> um, presumably. And uh, then we get this this kind of similar problem in this movie that um, Death Becomes Her had. 
mm-hmm. right? Which is when the primary conflict is solved. So when Becky is at the parade and she dies in that stupid swan, <laughs> in the big swan explosion, in that swan float, uh, or what have you, and then the mother is locked up, the conflict of the movie is resolved, right? Mm-hmm. She gets the, you know, Amber gets the crown and gets to move on. And then we get this kind of unintentional feeling of epilogue that runs too long. I agree. Right. Just like in Death Becomes Her, when the the two ladies become friends, that the all steam kind of goes out of the engine, you know? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I feel like it does take a very long time to sort of wrap up the movie a little bit. The the one, like, shining moment in that overlong epilogue, though, are those two women who are running the state pageant, who yeah. also run that modeling agency, right? Like, they're really, really funny. And, I mean, I laughed a lot at that, but... I mean, it just becomes long. It almost feels like a sequel, though. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's long and absurd, you know, like a whole bunch of beauty queens, like vomiting everywhere, you know, I'm yeah. like. And we're introduced to some other contestants for no reason. You right. know, it's just like a lot of this could have been pushed and it becomes more and more a montage as we go through, you know, and that's what even more doubles down as an epilogue. But it's a long ass kind of epilogue. And then when you think the movie should be over, you know, when they get to the nationals and obviously there's no fucking pageant to be had and they destroy the building. I'm like, that's a good place to end this movie, but it still goes on further than that. Yeah. That's really where it should have ended if they wanted to really make a point on pageantry. I agree. You know, Um, but it was almost a a downer. And and honestly, the, the end that we had was a reshoot. Oh, really? Yeah. There's a different ending. Oh, is it a fun fact? It will be, yeah. Good. I'm super excited to know what that is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, QCI as a sniper is funny for a minute. You know what I mean? And it's just it's just a vehicle for Amber to pick up the microphone and get her dream come true. Yeah, it's to show that she got what she dreamed, to give the audience something to, to hang on, right? And yeah. so th- that did not exist before. It was well, much more to the point before. Okay, good. I want to know what that is. Because I yeah. think I'd like it better. But audiences actively didn't like the the bad ending. They never really do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always a risk, you know, but you never know what someone's going to digest and then go out and see, like, The Mist. That's true. Although this movie didn't make a whole lot of money, so they just kept the other ending. But I don't know what it is yet, so I mean. Yeah, I'm not even sure what it is either. We'll have to just read it. <laughs> <laughs> I read it and I didn't quite understand it, so we'll just talk about it. <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah, so... Let's talk about some of the themes here. Obviously, it's got a lot going on, um, but mainly I would say vanity, shallowness, just like Death Becomes Her, you know? Uh, in this case, more in the line of, um, you know, pageantry, uh, you know, and, and all of the stuff that comes along with it, like the pedophilia, you know? Yeah, I mean, obviously, this movie the sexualization <clears throat> of, of women. Of, of young women. Yeah. You know? I feel like this, I mean, this movie is a satire, obviously, right? And so, yeah, a lot of a lot of the movie is talking about that. I feel like that, that pederast character, like, is front and center for most of the movie as, like, the main judge, right? He talks the most. He's the kind of person that you would see judging a pageant in a small town anyway. And, yeah, yeah I know. It is. It's there the entire time. We've also got kind of this antiquated American 1950s kind of value type of thing, you know, the I don't want to say like salt of the earth type of values, but I want to say like exaggerated gender roles, you know, a nuclear family, blind patriotism. Yeah. All that stuff is in here. It's like kind of this like facade of of morality that, you know, the Lehmans represent. Well, and I don't want to like throw stereotypes out there, but I feel like, you know, most people 
most Americans would consider the Midwest to be, you know, these kind of people who would be blind patriots, right? Yeah. And would conform to, you know, gender roles like that. I think this movie could have been a lot better if they would have had maybe a queer character, like a man trying to be in this pageant and what that would look like in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. 1999 that would not have happened no probably not i'm not sure it would happen now in the midwest but i think it would be fun you know yeah although i think in the long run they would have just made a whole bunch of gay jokes at his expense and yep. then that would have been completely turned off by the entire movie. i don't know a similar ish movie <clears throat> came out not too long after this called saved with mandy kind of, moore yeah that had kind of a bit gay character i think maybe maybe five to ten years after this i'm not sure maybe i'm no, it was. I think it was pretty, pretty close after this. Yeah, she was filled with Christ's love. She, I am filled with Christ's love. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a weapon. But the fucking blind patriotism in this movie. I mean, mostly it's in Kirstie Alley, right? And um, I guess that pastor who was delivering the eulogy. <laughs> oh yeah, um, God. And so, dear Lord, it is with deep sadness that we turn over to you this young woman whose dream to ride on a giant swan resulted in her death. Maybe it's your way to te- of telling us to buy American. <laughs> <laughs> Just every time when they were talking about Kirstie Alley's... Uh themes for the pageants right and it's just like do you remember your favorite theme oh can i it's a mere i can (laughs) (laughs) christ america the beautiful i don't know where i get this stuff i I think i'm just blessed by god (laughs) (laughs) i also forgot that part in the pageant where they're doing the opening number and denise richards is walking out with fucking mount rushmore on her head also makes me laugh (laughs) because if you could take a mountain and put a bunch of uh, a big mountain <laughs> put some faces on it <laughs> and that's why you, that makes me rebecca lima <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny yeah um yeah we got the exaggerated dinner rolls blind pageism rich versus poor corruption uh, yeah, that's pers- involved with that uh limitations of small town life uh wanting to get out uh and peaking in high school all those things are kind of wrapped up um with you know the the focus and the you know the channel of storytelling being the pageant. And I like how that one person in that retrospective review called the movie tender. Right. And I think that yeah, Amber's story is tender. Yeah. Especially involving her mother and her mother's friend. Right. Mm -hmm. Like they both are sort of stuck in this town. They made their choices and they're here and they're trying to like show her like, this could be your ticket out of here. Like don't give up. Right. And if you don't win or whatever, it's perfectly fine. Whereas the Lehman's are completely different. Right. It's like you, you have to win. Like, I I feel like if she didn't win, then she would be, you know, ostracized from her family because she says that anyway. Right. My mom told me one thing, like always win. So yeah. (laughs) Jesus loves winners. is what (laughs) Jesus loves winners. She gave her a gun (laughs) and the note said Jesus loves winners. (laughs) She gave me this gun for my ninth birthday. And I remember the card said, Jesus loves winners. So I always aim to win. (laughs) She probably did shoot that boy because all those fucking holes in that target were in the head, yeah. <laughs> right in that general area. Right. Yeah. It wasn't really between the eyes. Amber said that, but it was right to the left. Yeah. And that was exactly where the target was. Exactly. <laughs> that she Amber, was that, uh, waiting for that. Becky was shooting. Anyway, I got some of those fun facts for you. Good. I'm ready for these. So uh, a lot of casting fun facts. So Ooh. Melissa Joan Hart auditioned for the role of Amber Atkins. I don't know how I feel about that. Clarissa explains it all (laughs) uh no i feel like 
now that I've seen this movie as many times as I have, I kind of feel like Kirsten Dunst is the only person who can do that role. Yeah, I agree. So uh, according to director Michael Patrick Jan, Kirstie Alley refused to try on many of the costumes the wardrobe department had picked for Gladys, instead asking for them to be sent to the Scientology Celebrity Center in Hollywood to try them on there. Oh my God, what? I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) So they could be tested for midichlorians or whatever the (laughs) Jesus Christ. Tom Cruise helped her. He wanted to try them on too. They can only do that in private. Yeah, really. (laughs) Uh, so interesting, the roles of Annette, uh, Annette Atkins and Gladys Lehman were originally supposed to be, by plan, Goldie Hawn and Sigourney Weaver. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that either. Goldie I mean, Hawn being Annette Atkins, Amber's mom, and then Sigourney Weaver being Denise Richards' mom. I can see Goldie Hawn doing that. You know what I mean? I, still, Ellen Barkin just brings some sort of trashy charm to it. <laughs> And in like I could see Goldie Hawn before I could see Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver could do anything, but I can't. I yeah. can't really see her in this role. No, I mean Kirstie Alley's. I've never heard Sigourney Weaver do an accent either, though. Oh, now I kind of want to. Yeah. Get away from her, you bitch! <laughs> you betcha! Oh, oh you betcha! <laughs> Get away from her, you betcha! <laughs> So uh, Sarah Michelle Geller auditioned for the role of Becky. Oh my God. This is a lot of like weird casting things. Cause I can picture that in my head a little bit. I can. She could have easily done it. She yes. really could. But Denise Richards doesn't have the acting chops to do what she did in cruel intentions. That's true. Right. So let's just, let's face it. I mean, <laughs> so I'm glad they, they stuck to their roles. Cause that was like 98, 99 too. The more I think about Denise Richards and movies that we talk about either on the podcast or just in general, um, I like her more and more. So, I don't know, maybe except for that Bond movie. Yeah. So, inexplicably, most of Will Sasso's scenes were added during reshoots after producers complained that too few of the male characters were relatable. Who's Will Sasso? He's the one that played the mentally disabled person. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So, I don't know what that's about. (laughs) That's the most relatable thing they could add? I mean, he was, like... The most comedic. He was funny. I mean, when he like rears his hand back and beats the shit out of his brother's head during that first interview. But they've got a lot of different male stereotypes in this. I mean, the the Lehman father is like, God, we all know a guy like that. Yeah. Or have met one. You know, the used car salesman, you know, racist asshole. We even see him like sometimes like flirting with other women or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know where they were trying to go with him. There's way too many stereotypes. Yeah, it's like, oh, look at the weather. It's nicer than a whore's ass or something. Like, come on. (laughs) You know? And then we've got the the business owner, the father of the mentally disabled um, guy Mm -hmm. uh, who's just, I don't know, you know, blue collar guy, you know? And uh, then we got (laughs) we've got uh, the pederast. pederast. Mm Mm-hmm. And we have uh, the jocks. And that's the thing is that, like, you can say that... We had the nice boy that was killed. They say that too few of the males were relatable. There's not that many male characters in this movie. Like, and that's the point, right? And so, the, well, except for, you know, Adam West. <laughs> <laughs> I love the beginning where he's doing the commercial. <laughs> and... Uh, like and you could even meet a celebrity and one of the girls is like you and he's like yes <laughs> didn't they later on talk about how he fucked one of the girls or something like that and then it zooms out and he's like 
find your local whatever in and then it's like a robot voice Mount Rose <laughs> <laughs> and then it cuts the days of our lives <laughs> which we will never get back <laughs> yeah. oh okay so here the final uh, the film's original ending had Gladys uh, commit suicide in prison and the sniper um, be the town librarian or the former Mount Rose American teen princess, Iona Hildebrandt played by Claudia Wilkins. I'm not sure what else she did. She might've been the, with the Ludafisk lady. I'm not. Yeah. She was like the librarian and town historian. She must've been the Ludafisk lady. Yeah, she was. So she was supposed to come in and snipe instead. And so that was changed after negative test screening. So maybe it did still end with her becoming the reporter, but the sniper wasn't Christy Alley. It was this other librarian. Yeah. I don't find that ending to be believable. So yeah. I don't yeah. Know. The whole suicide thing feels a little off to me. Yeah. I don't think that, I don't think that Gladys would ever commit suicide. No, no. she's way too much of a, you know, narcissist. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Way too full of herself to do that. Yeah. She would never deprive the world of herself. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> oh, you betcha. <laughs> and don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Well, those were fun. I really, I love fun casting facts because it makes me think. Yeah. And I replay the movie in my head, but. So I guess we have some questions to ask. How do you yeah. say that? Questions? Questions. Nah, I can't do it. And the first one, <clears throat> is Drop Dead Gorgeous a horror movie? No. No. <laughs> it's no. not. <laughs> no, but it's an interesting question uh, nonetheless. Because, I mean, if you think about it just even a little bit, mm-hmm. because of what happens, it's almost giallo. Right. Yeah. I mean, like strange deaths that are happening when you have no idea who's doing it. You know, if it was filmed differently, you could edit this movie in a way with like music and things like that, that make it seem a lot more horror adjacent easily because it's the tone of the film that makes it not because the happenings, everything that's happening there, there's a killer out. People are dying left and right. Right. You know, there's a lot at stake and there's a lot of danger, you know. And they, they don't even really talk about that. I mean, like Amber's like, I'm going to drop out of the pageant because I got this picture with your next on the back of it. Right. Yeah. And then they almost never talk about it again. It's like, I know you what you did last summer, but pageant, you know, I mean, and they could. So like in any time I read like a small synopsis or an elevator speech of this movie, they really play up the fact that people are dying and it's called drop dead gorgeous. And this, like none of that's really discussed in the movie, you know? And yeah. I, it's not that I dislike this movie, but I feel like if they would have played up that like mystery aspect of it, made the deaths a little bit more comedic or had more deaths like that, even maybe even better. just add a detective character. Maybe that yeah. would be the relatable man we needed because they know? could very easily have been interviewing that detective character instead of just those two cops who kept saying that you know it was a smoking accident. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, like, I think it's safe to say that this is the most adjacent. It's not even really horror adjacent. It's not. But the, 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 adjacency, the adjacency conversation is all about how easily it could mm-hmm. have been horror, right. just for, from editing and music. Maybe we need a recut. Yeah. So were you scared while watching this? <laughs> I can't even, no. like, say the question. No, no. <laughs> no. All right, out of five stars... What would you rate Drop Dead Gorgeous? Yeah, damn it. I gave it a four star. <laughs> well, you betcha. Me too. Four stars. <laughs> it's really a three and a half movie. But <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, I, I it's so rewatchable and I and I always come back to it and it's got so many good lines and, you know, it's, it's so enjoyable and you can in- endlessly recommend it. 
you know? So I always just have to give it a four because that's just where it is in my, you know, my canon. And I mean, I agree because after I finished watching it last night, I was just like, I mean, my brain says three and a half. Right. And I'm like, but I can't. I mean, I have some nostalgia boner for this. And um, like you said, it's very rewatchable. It's very quotable. And when I meet people who have seen the movie, everyone loves it. Right. I've never met someone who said I didn't care for that movie. Yeah. And that says a lot for it. It does. I mean, maybe it's for like the right kind of person, and maybe I just talk to a lot of gay people. Who knows? Yeah, but, well, it's our circles, you know? Yeah. So finally, who's the hottest guy in Drop Dead Gorgeous? I think it's the one that was shot and killed. <laughs> yeah, Bruce would be boyfriend? Yeah. Uh, for me, it's the bartender. At the airport hojo that Alice and Janney's flirting with and she's trying to like throw things into his mouth and eventually fucks him in a room. (laughs) And she's like, I got some. (laughs) Did you notice that she fucked the mailman at the end too? Did she? When she she gives her the package of like what she's finally doing, everything she gets to do. No, I didn't. After she got. Yeah. So the mailman (laughs) came out of the house with her and is adjusting his pants. (laughs) And she's smiling at the camera and goes, hey guys, or hey boys. And she hands Amber the package. She waited to have sex with the mailman before giving her the package. I did not notice that. But God bless. And he might be package first. (laughs) That fucking character. Because she's like, you boys want some shots? I'm buying. I mean, she's like absolutely flirting with you. You want to drive me home? You're only two trailers down. It would be quick and easy. <laughs> I love it. Wish I were that flirty. But yeah, no, that bartender was some kind of hot. So, I mean, and there really wasn't a whole lot to choose from. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that just about wraps up our conversation on Drop Dead Gorgeous. As always, we want to know what you think of this movie mm-hmm. and our conversation. You can find us on social media at the Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Or you can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call us at 972-666-7733. Mm, shoot that lawn dart. And make us cry out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Don't keep it inside. <laughs> no do. <laughs> Shoes like a launder. <laughs> well, y'all won't have to cry out loud because we are going to continue Comedy Month over on Patreon with the Knights of Badassdom. It's the first time I've seen this movie, so I'm looking forward to that conversation. Well, we'll be seeing it tonight, so I'm hoping you'll enjoy it. I hope so, too. You can find that episode at the end of the month on patreon.com slash thefilmflamers. Head over and join the family. And next month on the main feed, we're doing some Nicole Kidman. That's right. We're covering The Others. And Eyes Wide Shut. I've never seen it. Oh, my God. Lots of sex in that movie. And watch over on Patreon that month for a a possible Kidman poll. Hmm. Well, Chris, I think it's time for us to, uh, well, I have to go off and practice my fucking Midwestern accent because that's just atrocious. It's just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. You're like heaven to touch. (laughs) 
Yeah. I'm trying to get to a lyric that I can change the sweet dreams. <laughs> it's just gonna keep going. <laughs> oh, well, I need you, baby. And if it's quite all right, we'll have some. <laughs> Damn it! We'll just do it. Segway. Let's have some sweet dreams. Even that didn't sound right. Don't you know? <laughs> Don't you know? You betcha. Have some sweet dreams there. <laughs> no, you're, only you can do it from now on. But I'm going to find an accent that I'm good at. Damn it. There it is. 